Hey guys, are you thinking about starting your own podcast? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me give you the details. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. True Crime Cat Lawyer. I'm your host, Elise, joined by my co-host, Winston the Cat. Every other week, Winston and I will bring you a new story about a murder, disappearance, or serial killer with a special focus on cases from our hometown, the Pacific Northwest. Just a reminder, this podcast contains content of a graphic nature that might not be suitable for all listeners, including descriptions of violence, sexual assault, and crimes against animals and children. Listener discretion is advised. Hi guys, welcome back for another episode. If you haven't already, be sure to check out our first TCCL Tidbits episode. We did a deep dive into the topic of double jeopardy, and we included some true crime case examples that you might be interested in that aren't necessarily specific to the Pacific Northwest. Today, we're talking about the 62-year-old mysterious disappearance of an entire family from Portland, Oregon. At the time of our story, the Martin family consisted of Father Ken, Mother Barbara, daughters Barbie, Virginia, and Sue, and son Donald. But Donald wasn't living with the family in 1958 because he was in the Navy on the East Coast. The Martin family was preparing for the Christmas holiday and decided to take a day trip to the Columbia River Gorge, about an hour east of Portland. They planned to buy a Christmas tree and other pine tree materials to create wreaths and garlands for decorations. There's some confusion about what time the family left on December 7, 1958. Some neighbors said the family left around 11 a.m., while others said the family didn't leave until around 2 p.m. Investigators believe the most likely time the family left for Hood River was between 1 and 2 on that Sunday afternoon. By all accounts, this trip was meant to be a day trip. The family would go look for a tree, maybe have a late lunch, and then return home. The three girls wore casual clothes and didn't bring any coats, another indication that they didn't plan to be gone long. Remember, this was December. Even though it was a nice day, The girls would have worn heavier coats if they thought they'd be staying anywhere overnight. The first sign of trouble came the next morning, December 8th. 
Ken Martin worked for Eccles Electric Home Service Company, and he failed to show up for work that day. Ken was highly punctual and always got to work at least five minutes before his boss. Plus, Ken had an important business meeting at 8 a.m., and he would not have missed it without letting his boss know. Later that morning, Susie, Virginia, and Barbie were all marked absent from their respective classes. Susie and Virginia's teachers tried calling the Martin home, but no one answered. At 9.30 p.m. on December 8th, Ed Lenz, a neighbor of the Martins, called the police to report that the Martin family hadn't returned home from their day trip to the Columbia River Gorge. When police asked him how he knew this information, Lenz told them Ken's boss said Ken never showed up for work and Lenz never saw the family return home. Three police cars were immediately sent to search the area near Larch Mountain as well as the western edge of the Columbia Gorge. Officers were also sent to the Martin residence around 11 p.m. that evening. Police first searched outside the Martin home, then they called Ken's sister, who came and let them into the house. The Martin family had lived in the same home for 25 years and always told their neighbors if they planned to be gone longer than a day or so. Ken's sister told police that her brother and sister-in-law didn't tell her about any extended trip to Hood River, the Gorge, or anywhere else. Once inside the Martin home, police found breakfast dishes that were left in the sink and meat was left on the counter to thaw. Nothing was disturbed. Overall, it looked to investigators like the family didn't plan to be gone for more than the afternoon. The Larch Mountain search was more complicated. There was some confusion about where investigators should search for the family which was compounded by the jurisdictional issues between local and state law enforcement agencies. Ultimately, law enforcement officials decided to search the area surrounding Larch Mountain, the city of Mosier, and the city of the Dalles. By December 9th, just two days after the family went missing, they were front-page news across the state. Witnesses began coming forward, telling police they saw the family near Larch Mountain at a Christmas tree farm. These witnesses would also tell police that the family looked normal and happy. Investigators couldn't be sure what direction the family headed in after leaving the Christmas tree farm, especially after other families came forward stating that they had a similar car and family makeup to the Martins and were also in that area around the same time as the Martin family. It was highly possible that witnesses were mistaken as to which family they actually saw. On December 13th, the search was expanded to cover five counties in both Oregon and Washington. The five law enforcement agencies had hundreds of searchers, as well as private party searchers, which included friends of the Martin family from their church and Oregon Trails Club. Other Martin family members posted a $500 reward, which would later be raised to $1,000. Ken's sister, Charlotte Dorsey, received an envelope with a credit card receipt inside on December 23rd. It was unclear from my research why this evidence was sent to Charlotte instead of the police. The receipt was from Dean's Chevron service station in Cascade Locks and was dated December 7th. It showed that Ken Martin had purchased five gallons of gas. Police interviewed the owner of the gas station who confirmed the purchase and told them he thought the family passed through his station around 12 p.m. 
The gas purchase was odd to investigators as they found evidence that the Martins Ford station wagon had just recently been filled with gas prior to their outing on December 7th. And the family would have had more than enough gas to get to and from the Columbia Gorge without stopping to fill up. So why did Ken Martin purchase five gallons of gas in Cascade Locks? An employee of the Paradise Snack Bar in Hood River would come forward and tell police that she served lunch to the Martin family on December 7th. Other witnesses confirmed seeing the family eating lunch at the cafe, then heading further east toward the Dalles. During the month of December, there were a lot of reported sightings of the Martin family, but nothing was ever definitively confirmed. On December 31st, a woman named Linda Golub was driving east on Highway 30 near the city of Troutdale when she passed a car that fit the description of the Martin station wagon. She noticed a male driver, likely in his 20s, with dark hair. The car had Oregon license plates, 1G7156, a perfect match for the Martin station wagon. Between December 31st, 1958, and February of 1959, there were no updates on the case. But then, in February, an unknown searcher found tire tracks heading off a cliff into the Columbia River near the Dalles. The tread matched the type of tires the Martins had on their station wagon. Around the same time, a gun was found in Cascade Locks, 40 minutes west of the Dalles, near an abandoned, stolen car. The gun was covered in dried blood, but was never processed as evidence. The gun was linked to Donald Martin, the oldest son of Ken and Barbara, through the serial number. Back in September of 1955, Donald was working at the Myron Frank department store as a stock boy and window trimmer when he was fired for stealing over $2,000 worth of merchandise, including a 38 Colt Commander. Despite being estranged from Donald at the time, Ken paid for the stolen merchandise. There were some conflicting reports about the estrangement in my research, but allegedly Donald had recently come out to his parents in 1955, and they didn't take this information well. After the theft incident, Ken and Barbara sent Donald to a religious college in Connecticut. Then, in May of 1959, a tugboat, the R.W. Confer, was floating down the Columbia River near Camas, Washington, when Captain Charles Isaman saw something floating in the water. When the boat got closer, he saw that it was a body. Due to the saturation of the body in the water, it was incredibly decomposed and unidentifiable. The next day, 25 miles upriver near the Bonneville Dam, Clarence Haight, an electrician at the Bonneville Dam, saw a body floating in the water. The bodies were identified through dental records as Sue and Virginia Martin. Autopsies were performed, and the cause of death was ruled as drowning. But both girls had holes in their skulls just behind their right ears, likely from a gunshot or a blow to the head. A memorial service was held for the two girls, while searches continued in the area where the bodies were found to try and locate Barbie, Ken, and Barbara. None of their bodies were found. 
Donald didn't attend his sister's funerals, but he did arrive in Portland in early June of 1959. A lot of people were suspicious of him after the gun had been found and because he didn't go to the funerals. Interestingly, Donald made a quick pit stop in Seattle to visit a friend before finally arriving in Portland, which again made some people question whether he could be involved somehow. Donald claimed the only reason he didn't attend the funerals was because of a scheduling mix-up, though he didn't really have an explanation as to why he didn't come out when his family first went missing in December. Allegedly, he was busy with his Navy duties, attending night classes at Hunter College, and was teaching part-time scuba diving lessons. Donald's absence from the investigation wasn't the only thing that made investigators look into him as a suspect. Donald was the sole beneficiary of his parents' estate with all of his sisters gone. Investigators learned Ken and Barbara had a $14,000 life insurance policy, several smaller policies worth about $6,000, and $13,000 in their bank accounts. Plus, the family home and other assets were worth about $16,000. In total, the Martin estate was worth about $36,000, which is the equivalent of $250,000 today. Relatively modest, but still worth killing for some people. Despite the potential motive and his connection to the gun found in Cascade Locks, police could never definitively link Donald to any crimes against his family. Another search of the area near the Dalles was conducted in October of 1965. Divers scoured the Columbia River, but didn't find any more bodies or the Ford station wagon. J.B. Fisher, the author of the book I used for most of my research, Echo of Distant Water, mentioned additional searches for the station wagon were conducted in 1999 and 2013 using sonar technology. Each time, investigators walked away empty-handed. So what happened to the Martin family? Was this a terrible accident where they somehow lost control of their station wagon and drove off the cliff? Or was something more sinister at play involving their son Donald and the gun found on the side of the highway in Cascade Locks? If the car did go into the river, why hasn't it been recovered? Where are the bodies of Ken, Barbara, and Barbie? Would finding their bodies have given us more clues as to what happened to the family? How does a seemingly normal family outing to pick out a Christmas tree and wreath decorations end in such a tragedy? Unfortunately, police have no answers to these questions. There have been no leads and no new information in the case for years. And as I mentioned earlier, the Martin's car has never been found, nor have police ever recovered the bodies of Ken, Barbara, and Barbie. Donald Martin died in 2003. If he had any information about what happened to his family, we will never know. As it stands today, this case will likely never be solved. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review if you like the show. You can email case suggestions or comments to truecrimecatlawyer at gmail.com, and you can find us on Twitter at truecrimecatlaw and on Instagram at truecrimecatlawyer. 
You can also find our discussion group on Facebook by searching for True Crime Cat Lawyer in the group section. If you're interested in learning more about my co-host, you can check out her Instagram at WinstonTheCatPDX. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.